There's water under the water. That and other stories on H2O Radio's weekly news report. I'm Jamie Sudler. I'm Franny Halperin. And it's This Week in Water. There's a source of clean and drinkable water in an unlikely place underneath other waters. That's right. There's fresh water underneath the oceans in isolated aquifers, and it's getting attention as we realize how precious water's becoming. Some estimates of the amount contained in these sub-ocean aquifers figure there's enough to fill the Great Lakes 20 times, according to Hawkeye magazine. How did it get there? Brandon Dugan, an associate professor of petrophysics at the Colorado School of Mines, says it's from ancient glaciers. When those glaciers retreated, um, that fresh water was stuck beneath the shoreline and offshore. He says that as glaciers advanced and retreated over thousands of years, they put heavy pressure on melting water underneath. It was like squeezing the water out of the sediments onshore and pushing it offshore. Dugan says the water is neither renewable nor permanent. If we're able to harvest it, it could be a resource as populations grow and sea levels rise and encroach on onshore reserves. Although these types of aquifers are found worldwide, many cross international borders, and that might raise transboundary water issues. Some aquifers in the U.S. cross state boundaries and others stretch well into Canada. Offshore Norway, it will also cross international boundaries and and we'll have to think about who actually governs these resources. Currently, there are a couple of projects underway to see if these undersea aquifers can become feasible sources of drinking water in the future. Senators held hearings last week about the new president's appointments, and when it comes to water, there could be a lot of turbidity. The nominee to be head of the EPA, Oklahoma Attorney General Scott Pruitt, if approved, must decide whether and how to enforce the Clean Water Act. Pruitt has sued the agency he now wants to lead 14 times to overturn water and air standards, and some of those cases are still pending. About 18 months ago, he sued the EPA over its new rule to define which U.S. waters are protected. But when asked if he would recuse himself from ongoing cases, he would not commit. Should he not step aside, Pruitt will have the power to make EPA settle cases he brought against it on his own terms. In other words, he will be in control of both sides of the case. But although governance over water at the federal level may seem distressing to some, there was positive news out of New York. Last week in his State of the State address, Governor Andrew Cuomo proposed $2 billion be spent on improving water quality in the Buffalo-Niagara region and the rest of New York State. Environmentalists were happily shocked by the proposal, describing it as amazing, according to the Buffalo News, and State Senator Timothy Kennedy called the investment visionary. Cuomo's plan will not only involve replacing water and sewer lines, but will also pay for ways to prevent water pollution in the first place, such as keeping contaminants like manure and pesticides, as well as road salts, from running off land into creeks and streams. The proposal would pursue improved land management policies and green infrastructure projects like constructed wetlands that filter runoff before it reaches a sewage system. 
there's an unsolved mystery in a remote region near the Arctic Circle, and now the Canadian military is going to investigate. The government is dispatching acoustic specialists in response to local Inuit concerns about a strange beeping sound emanating from the ocean floor. Residents of the tiny village of Iglulik have been hearing the ping since last fall, and they say it's loud enough to be heard through the hulls of boats. Worse, it's scaring away the sea mammals they rely on for food. The hamlet is located between the Northwest Passage and Hudson Bay, a migratory route for bowhead whales, narwhals, and seals. But local legislator Paul Kwasa told the CBC that this past summer they disappeared. Canadian forces dispatched aircraft to the region, but they didn't detect any sounds at the time. There is no shortage of theories about the mystery. Locals suggest it's related to sonar surveys by a mining company extracting iron ore from Canada's Baffin Island, although the company told the CBC it isn't surveying in the area. Others say it could be generated on purpose by Greenpeace to scare wildlife away because they opposed seal hunts in the 70s and 80s. Greenpeace denies that assertion. Where the sound could be completely natural, scientists have noted several unusual sounds coming from our oceans, such as reef fish who sing at dawn or dusk, or the waves in the Caribbean that whistle so loud they can be detected from space. Even if the mysterious ping turns out to be natural and harmless, Kwasa says that staying attuned to our environment is always a good idea. Strange sounds, sights, and smells could provide an early warning of some building ecological problem, and people who live nearby are the first line of defense. And finally, this weekend saw millions march around the globe for women's rights and human rights. Not to make light of those demonstrations, there's been another small group making ways for their rights too, the freedom to be mermaids. The Mer Network is a Seattle community whose members are giving up their lives on land for one in the sea. To be clear, the group in their forum where mermaids and mermen connect has nothing to do with the recent election. It's about being true to yourself. Take Caitlin Nielsen, a 30-year-old who prefers to be known by her mermaid name, Cyania. Even though she has a degree in biology, she quit that job so she could be a mermaid full-time. She supports herself by crafting handmade tails out of silicone. For Ed Brown, being a mer-person is about being comfortable with who you are and has helped them overcome social anxiety. Mermaid Tessie agrees. She told Barcroft TV that being in a community like this has helped with body insecurities, and she's been able to use her role as a mermaid to promote ocean conservation. All three say that when they dive into a pool or the ocean, the act of being a mythical creature is a chance to live out a dream or a fantasy and give them a way to temporarily escape from reality. Wow, given the direction of our country right now, we're thinking of getting some mermaid tales of our own. This Week in Water is supported by the American Water Works Association. Sustainable water management means more than just conservation. Learn about water efficiency and resilience at awwa.org slash sustainable.